0: you're listening to the ordinary podcast a podcast by ordinary guys talking the topics that you want to hear and now here are your hosts ryan and steven
1: good wednesday evening everybody you are listening to the ordinary podcast i am your host steven and i am joined alongside by my co-host
0: ryan how's it going guys
1: so, Ryan, Episode 6 is upon us, and I must say that I'm getting more and more excited each time that we record an episode. But uh, as promised in last week's episode, we're going to touch on a number of topics. Uh, we have our second fan audio from our good friend Chris Romaley, who has a question he would like us to answer. All in an ex- All in all, an exciting show in store. Um but before we get started, let's talk about this Nor'easter that's supposed to be happening. Uh it's Nor'easter Toby, and just like in the office, Toby is definitely hated by me. So Ryan, how's it uh how's it going over by you?
0: Uh snow is falling very, very rapidly. I'm actually looking out the window right now, and it is dumping on us right now. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, definitely. Nice. How um, about you?
1: It is basically doing Nothing. It's barely coming down here. I'm kind of surprised because when I was reading all the, you know, the predictions and everything like that on, on Twitter, on weather.com, they were saying I was in like the 16-inch range. So this is nothing compared to that. So okay. just, you know, it's another example of predictions are just predictions and not, you know, actual you know it's, that's not necessarily what it's actually going to be
0: yeah it's 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 crazy that uh you could think you're going to get you know so much and then reality could be so much different it's just amazing that weather is just something that we have no control or even idea of
1: yeah i mean i it was totally under the impression that we were going to get in, in, inundated with snow and here we are it's just kind of Barely starting to come down. But I guess, watch, once I say that, it's going to start picking up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but with, with that kind of in mind, we're going to turn topics. Obviously, it is now spring, so winter is finally behind us. But something that was kind of interesting was that out of Tallahassee, Florida, the AP reports that the US Senator Marco Rubio is filing legislation that would let Florida and the nation keep daylight savings time all year. So basically, what this means is that daylight savings time would be permanent across the country. So there would be no more falling back, it would just be whatever the time is now. Um, so it's four, you know, almost five o'clock here. Um, it would just stay like this, we would never fall back. We would, um, So when you think about it in the winter, typically, it uh, gets, starts getting dark around 5, 5.30. So now it would start getting dark around 4, 4.30. Um, it's definitely something to think about. It's definitely, I think, something that's interesting. Ryan, what's your take on it?
0: Uh, it's interesting. I mean, I know there's places that already do this. I think um, most of Arizona already doesn't observe daylight savings time. And um, it's an interesting concept. I don't know that I'd be a big fan of it because just thinking – about how depressing winter is already and then just taking away more sunlight during the day is just uh would be interesting let's just uh put it that way I don't, I don't think i'd be a fan what about you
1: yeah i mean i'm not i'm not too sure um i think this year the time change affected me more than it has in the past i think it was difficult for me to adjust to springing forward um i I kind of like the concept and the fact that, you know, we don't we wouldn't have to worry about the fallback spring forward kind of deal where we'd have to change our clocks every year. Um, I don't know. I, I guess the jury's still kind of out on uh, on my f- on my end. Uh, it's just kind of interesting what this article points out. It says that um, so the second bill would let Florida remain in daylight savings time on its own. So basically what that means is that. True revolution. Whoa, what's happening there? Sorry. Um, basically, Florida has already adopted or is in the process of adopting this, but um, Senator Rubio really wants this to go nationwide. He said that he thinks it could help the economy. Um, I'm not 100% sure how that would help the economy, but he, he's under the impression that it would help the economy. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just something to think about. It. I don't know. I, 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 the, the older I get, I think the more inclined to not change the clocks I become. Um, it's just, I don't know, sleep is becoming more important to me. So losing an hour on a weekend is,
0: is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, you just hate the inconvenience of having to, you know, deal with it come springtime and then come fall time where you get the, I mean, you get the extra hour of sleep, but it still sort of messes with you a little bit. So absolutely just the inconvenience factor alone would make it worth it. But um, be interesting to see some actual like uh, supporting evidence as to why we should do it.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think it's interesting. I definitely think, uh, you know, we'd love to hear what you guys have to think about it. Um, so shoot us a tweet, shoot us a message on Facebook, um, really any way that you can reach out to us an email, um, check us out on our new website. You can find that all on our Facebook and our Twitter page. Um, sh- let us know. Do you think that we should keep daylight savings time uh, all year round? And should it be a nationwide thing? Uh, I- I'm actually very interested to see what uh, what the listeners have to say. Uh, I'm going to throw a poll up on Twitter. Basically, you can say whether or not you're for or against this. Um, but let's kind of, with that in mind, let's segue into our next topic, Ryan. This is something that I know a lot of people are kind of upset about, but the major toy retailer, Toys R Us, is going out of business forever. Um, I found an article that kind of, that dates back to December 7th of this past year. Um, and it's an NPR article, but basically the title of it says struggling Toys R Us plans to pay executives millions in bonuses. Um, it's kind of interesting that now, you know, what, four months later, After giving, you know, paying these executives millions of dollars, now Toys R Us is tanking and all the stores are closing. What's your take on it?
0: Uh, Honestly, it almost seems like they knew the writing on the wall and they were almost helping out the top tier people on the way out. You know what I mean? Like they were like, all right, this is sort of our last hurrah. This is like what we have left. So. You know, it's not really something that they probably should have done, but um, I, that's the just the way I see it. Maybe that's not exactly what it was happening, but that's sure. the way it looks. So um, the first art,
1: the first paragraph in this article says a bankruptcy judge has granted struggling retailer Toys R Us permission to pay millions of dollars in bonuses to executives after the company argued it was necessary to motivate its top brass during the critical holiday shopping season. That just bothers me. I mean, when you think about it, it's top brass, right? It's motivating its top brass during the critical holiday shopping season. When you think about like this and you think about big stores like Toys R Us or even you think about like a Walmart or a Target, um, anything like that, you know that the executives are already making a ton, a ton of money. Where it's a a shame because like, you know, Johnny Six Pack working the register is making like, minimum wage you know right and those are the people that really have to deal with you know you talk about the holiday rush and the holiday shopping season those are the people that really have to deal with the um the insane customers the crazy hours the yeah, you know the
0: ones that are going to miss time with their families to be working
1: right exactly but meanwhile you know i i'm trying to come up with a name a fancy name for a uh, Random person, but I can't because I don't want to use Johnny Sixpack twice. But you Thomas Hennessy, yeah, Thomas Hennessy, the CEO, <laughs> is working what let's say Monday through Friday, if he's lucky, um, you know, nine to five, maybe, but he's making millions of dollars. Where meanwhile, you have all these guys, you know, you have all these guys and gals that are working, you know, in the retail store in the storefront that. Are working eight, nine, ten hour shifts and and making minimum wage. I think it's just a shame. I mean, especially now that the this store, this, all the stores are going out of business. You think about how many people are going to lose their jobs, but meanwhile, these executives just got millions of dollars in bonuses, so they're going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shame, but that's kind of how America is <laughs> anymore. Mm. I mean, it's just like the rich get richer, and you know, the guys that are working. You know, those lower tier jobs are the ones that are just out there grinding and uh, not making much, but just trying to survive.
1: Yeah. So the, the bankruptcy judge, his name is Keith Phillips. He ruled the company can dole out $14 million in incentives to its top 17 executives. So I guess the caveat is that fiscal year earnings must first reach $550 million. So I guess there was a bit of like a, um, a stipulation there. Um, but the executives could receive even more if earnings reached $641 million, But the company's lawyer, Joshua Susberg, said that Target would be incredibly hard to uh, achieve. Now, in a filing, Toys R Us argued, it is the company's employees and more particularly the senior management team that must execute at this critical juncture and provide the foundation for a successful turnaround. Now, I couldn't agree... I I can only agree with half of this, right? I can only agree with the fact that it talks about the company's employees. I don't necessarily know if I agree with particularly the senior management team. I guess the senior management team has like big picture ideas and, and and they kind of handle day-to-day operations. But when you think about it, I really think it's the people who, it's like the district managers, it's the store managers, it's the floor managers, and it's even just the regular customer service representatives on the floor. That Those are the people that are really doing the work. I, that's just how I feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I think we're on the same page here for the most part. It's just, I mean, it shouldn't have happened, but <laughs> unless yeah. there's a more detailed reason that we're not getting, you know, yeah. it just doesn't seem right.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just a shame because in September, um, they filed for bankruptcy. So they filed for bankruptcy in September. Three months later, they're like, oh, you know what? If you know, we reach a certain amount of sales, we're just going to give millions of dollars to 17 different executives. Um, it's just such a shame because then you think about it, I think they have around like 1,600 stores worldwide. And I think if I'm correct, I think all of those stores are closing. I just think it's a shame. I mean, it really is. You think about how many people are going to lose their jobs. And yeah. while these executives probably made out like gangbusters, cause let's be honest around the holiday season, it's probably not that hard for a big box store like Toys R Us to, to make whatever that goal was that 500, let me just double check that. I don't want to get that wrong. The 550 million, that's probably not difficult to achieve between 1600 stores worldwide, worldwide around the holiday season. I mean, I know when I go into this, into New York, we always go into to Toys R Us in Times Square, like always. Um, not necessarily cuz we bought you know not, not necessarily we buy anything but we go in to look and shop around and you, then you think about all the tourists that come into Manhattan and and every I feel like every tourist will go to the Toys R Us in Times Square because of you know the Ferris wheel and that and they'll spend money and I'm not saying that one store is going to you know help them reach their their goal but um at, there's a ton of people there's a ton of foot traffic through that store and and I'm just saying now it's a shame because now when I go into the city, you know, if that store's closed, that kind of sucks because it's something I've been doing since I was a kid. So it's just, right. a shame.
0: I mean, Toys R Us has always sort of been like that for me. Like, it, I mean, obviously, especially when I was a kid, if not exclusively, but like when you go in there, like it was just a really cool atmosphere. Like it was just like, I don't know, being in like, especially when you were a kid, like it was like being in like heaven. Cause like there was all these toys around and you could just run around, and it was just, like, all the bright colors, like, it was such a, like, just a cool place to be.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. It was more so an
0: experience, I guess is what I'm saying, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously, you were able to go into it, and it was a store, you could buy stuff, but, like, it was just, like, a fun place to go as a kid.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I think about it, because, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm probably gonna bring this up for the next few weeks, but, um, you know, obviously I'm getting married in two weeks. So starting to think about, you know, a family and starting, you know, starting my, my real adult life. When you think about it, you know, and then I start thinking about, Oh, well, when I have kids now, I won't be able to bring them to toys R us. Like my parents used to do, or like my grandparents used to do. And I just like exactly what you said. Like, I remember that joy walking through the store even just walking into the store, you just like your eyes opened up. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I don't know where to go or I don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that our kids and you know their generation won't know what that's like because it's just basically everything is just online nowadays you know it's so difficult i think you know obviously you could go to a walmart or a target like i said but you know a majority of shopping anymore i feel like is done on amazon
0: yeah so it's just yeah the generation we're in is is vastly different than uh Than what we grew up with.
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back to, we talked about this, um, I think with the PlayStation, where we talked about um, violent video games, like it's all about being, it's all about convenience, right? It's all about the convenience factor of of everything. And sometimes driving to a big box store isn't as convenient as going to your laptop or even your cell phone and buying a G.I. Joe or a Matchbox car. Um, Right. And then, you know, if you prime, oh, it'll be here in two days. So... I don't know. It, I think it just sucks. I think it's a shame. That was a really fun store for me growing up and I have a ton of memories going into those stores. So it's just, I don't know. It just kind of sucks that I feel like, um, you know, our, my kid, you know, my kids and our kids generations are going to lose out on, on that joy of going in and picking out a toy. And I don't know, it's just kind of nostalgic.
0: No, I, I completely agree. I mean, uh, I just quickly looked it up, and Toys R Us has been around since um, 1948. So, it's definitely a long time and a big loss.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's just such a shame. I don't <laughs> know. I, I, I'm, I'm just upset about it. That really sucks.
0: <laughs> it definitely does. But who knows? I mean, it doesn't mean that maybe it can't make a comeback in a few years if they figure stuff out. Yeah. I just Probably not, but maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I... I don't see that happening, but anyway, what are your thoughts on it? Um, we'd love to hear it again. Like I said, in the last, from the last, uh, topic, shoot us a tweet, shoot us a message on Facebook, anything you want to do to reach out to us. You know, we'll touch on that again if you have anything to say. Um, but turning to a different, um, kind of place of enjoyment (laughs) for me, at least, um, there's some breaking news and this may sound silly, but breaking news out of Orlando, Florida, Uh, Walt Disney World uh, announced that their resorts are officially, um, they will officially begin charging resort guests for parking. So this is something that Disney World has always done. So if you were to stay on property at Disney World and you were to drive your car, you didn't have to pay. And that was something that uh, my fiance and I took advantage of this past summer. We drove down to Disney for the first time. Um, We've been together four years and we've gone to Disney eight practically every year that we've been together so we're going for our fifth time this coming summer which is really exciting but this past year was the first time we drove down and i have to say if you've never driven down to disney it's it's actually a lot of fun um just the whole road trip and i mean we broke it up but anyway i'm beside the point when we went there when we went there we um you know we got to park our car literally i mean it was maybe 15 feet from our hotel room. It was awesome. Um, but now starting March 20th. So that was yesterday. Um, so yesterday visitors who book a new reservation at any of the 30 Disney resort hotels in Orlando must pay for overnight self parking. So, uh, Guess who reserved a room before yesterday could still enjoy the perk but if you book for like for instance i booked my my honeymoon in probably january maybe before january i don't remember so i would obviously still get free parking but it just sucks because now um the value resorts which are the cheaper resorts you can stay at those are like your um your all-star sports movies then you have um trying to think what else Pop Century, Art of Animation, places like that, you would have to pay $13 a night at a value resor- resort. Moderate, moderate resorts, which are like your Caribbean Beach or Port Orleans Riverside and French Quarter, uh, I'm trying to think what else off the top of my head, I'll get there, um, those are $19 a night. And for the deluxe hotels, so we're talking the Contemporary, a Grand Floridian, Wilderness Lodge. Um, Polynesian. It's twenty four dollars a night. So if you think about that, let's go to the moderate for a second, Ryan. So if you and your family go down, or you and you and Jacqueline go down to Disney World, just the two of you, right? Say you stay at a moderate resort for seven nights. You're there for a week. In parking alone, you're going to pay one hundred and thirty three bucks. And that's yeah, yeah that's crazy. and that's just to park your own car. That's not right. that's not like you know you pull up and you hand your keys to mickey mouse and he hops in and goes "Ho ho!" like and just drives your car away
0: can you do that is that, that a would thing? be
1: awesome like i wish that would be really cool but uh
0: <laughs> one more one more mickey sound and then we'll we'll, we'll keep going Oh-ho!
1: um <laughs> hiya pal that's my mickey, that's my mickey impersonation is probably terrible but uh like 133 bucks for a week is just in my opinion is just ridiculous um you know yeah absolutely bre- Oh, sorry. My computer. Um, I know. So for those of you who are listening right now, uh, I give Ryan a lot of, a lot of crap when his computer makes noises. So the fact that mine just made one, um, He's fired. Yeah, I, I, am fired. But um, basically, I just want to run through like pricing and kind of what like a week at Disney World would cost, just real quick. Um, so my fiance and I are annual pass members. So basically, one of the perks that Disney has is you can purchase a annual pass. Obviously, each person in your party would have to have one, but basically, it gives you admission for a full year from the date you start. Like so, say like we started August sixth. 2017. So it runs all the way from August 6th, 2017 to August 6th, 2018. So you get admission for a year to all four theme parks. You can visit all the parks on the same day. So that's your your hopper pass. It includes your all free like pictures and all that kind of stuff. You get 20% off, select dining and merchandise. And you also get free parking at the, at the, um, the theme parks if you wish to park there. That alone is $1,800. So that's a lot of money. Obviously, and then if you're to stay at a resort, depending on which resort you want to stay at, Ryan, it's um, it's still kind of expensive. I mean, r- uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm trying to do this like I'm trying to navigate Disney's website, um, and talk at the same time. Which, yeah, see, this isn't working for me. But anyway, yeah. Um, but like a moderate resort typically starts at like $200 a night. So, like I said, if you and Jacqueline were there for seven days, you're talking fourteen hundred bucks plus an additional eighteen hundred bucks, say for your annual pass, plus an additional one hundred and thirty-three for parking for a week. You're already talking between resort tickets, um, or resorts and tickets, and parking. You're now looking at thirty, almost thirty-four hundred bucks, and that's not even food and merchandise. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. So the fact that they're even trying to, like tack on this extra 133 bucks or this extra fee per night i think is just ridiculous like how much money how much money do you think that's actually gonna gonna make for them
0: yeah honestly at this point it's kind of like it's becoming just a once in a lifetime vacation for most people just because it's so expensive
1: yeah and that's the thing like brianne and i are such disney like we're such disney fans because it's just for us it's just a vacation that when we go, we have so much fun. Like we get to act like kids again, you know, people probably judge us, but we don't care. Um, it's fun. You know, there's roller coasters, there's themed rides, you know, there's just a lot of really fun things to do. Um, you can even go to the spa, you can go golfing, you can do all this different stuff, but you know, exactly what you said, it's, it's becoming like a once in a lifetime trip, which sucks for people who are huge Disney fans. love to go every single year i mean it's become it's going to definitely put a strain on on us if we continue to try to go every year so that's one thing like i try to emphasize you know you know i i've been emphasizing like let's really get a a lot out of this trip coming up this summer because who knows when the next time we're going to get here just because it's so expensive
0: yeah that's how it's been for us too i mean we've definitely wanted to take vacation at disney um you know the whole time we've been dating as well but it's just one of those things where it's such a financial commitment and just, you know, money wise, it's just not something we've been able to do. It's something that we both talked about a ton, but just realizing it's just not really possible unless you're in a stable financial situation, honestly.
1: Yeah. I, and it's just, and like I said, it's, it's, it's a shame because like, it's such a fun place that I feel like everybody needs to experience in their lifetime. Um, because it's just, It's like literally when you get on property, they talk about the Disney magic. And for those of you who haven't been to Disney, we'll dig into this a little later. But um, for those of you who haven't been to Disney, like they talk about the Disney magic being real and and it is real. Like as somebody, as a 24-year-old male who really, you know, I'm big in sports and all that kind of stuff, like I love going to Disney and acting like a kid. Like I love going to Disney and, you know, obviously you still have cell reception, but like. You're, you're never like, we're never checking our phones. The only time we're on our phones is if we're live streaming something, but like we never check our phones. We don't care about what's happening basically outside of Orlando or outside of even Disney property while, while we're there, we're just literally encapsulated in it and it's just so much fun. So it just sucks that they have to make it a little more difficult for people who, you know, people who, who are trying to get there and trying to do it on a budget. But um, it's just, I don't know. It's just a shame
2: hey everybody it's me Mickey Mouse
1: but um yeah all right was that you or yeah of course it was me I mean are you kidding me? I''m, I'm that I'm that good that my <laughs> impersonation of of Mickey Mouse was that freaking good I um, it. So again we'll 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 dig into it a little more. We do have a, an exciting let's play favorites today so we do have a lot more to to go over um, and one of the topics does happen to be, about vacation spots because we talked about that last week so I'll dig into Disney a little more but um, like I said before earlier in the show we do have another fan audio segment it is from our good friend Chris Romaley so let me pull that up now
2: hello guys from the ordinary podcast my name is Chris Romaley you've probably heard my name once or twice or 10,000 times by now with this podcast here's my question for Stephen and Ryan so I want to be a math teacher when I'm older. And I was getting the thinking about a question about homework. Should students be given homework? And I want to see what your guys' opinion is on it. But I'm going to give you guys my opinion here first, and then I want to see what you guys think about it. So this question it really comes down to the amount of time I believe you have with the students. If your class periods are only like 40, 45 minutes, then I definitely think you need to give homework to the students because you're never going to know if they fully understand when they're in your classroom what they're going to be able to do. If you have like an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes with the students, you can see once exactly what they're going to learn and if they're going to be able to do it or not on a quiz. So then at that point, you shouldn't give homework. If you can extend the day somehow – then absolutely no homework because then they can clearly show you, like I said earlier, what they will be able to do on like a quiz or a test. So I want to ask you, Stephen and Ryan, what you guys think about homework and should students, should teachers give students homework or not? So Ryan, I'm going to let you, uh, let you go first.
0: You're going to let me start. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's tough because, you know, growing up, there's only one way I know it, and that's the homework way. So it's tough to really think about, you know, an option that wouldn't include having to do homework. Um honestly, I would say that there should just still be homework just because, you know, when you go to work, although you might not come home with homework from your job, you're constantly thinking about it and you know, trying to get better at your job or like figuring out what you're going to do tomorrow. Like you, you don't really, although you might be off from work, like you're always kind of thinking about it, if that makes sense. Whereas like, I feel like with school, when you go home, like at least when I was a kid, like I absolutely shut it down. Like I was like, all right, I'm going to play video games. I'm going to hop on the computer, do whatever there. I'm going to watch some TV, maybe play outside with my friends, go play some basketball, whatever. I didn't think about it at all. And I think that is part of why there is homework is to keep kids thinking and doing, you know, doing that work and just, you know, I mean, it's to train your brain to help you get smarter. Um, I think there's a reason for it. And I think there's a reason that there is homework. So, I mean, that's my opinion, but I know you have a little bit more experience, you know, because you wanted to go into the teaching field. So, I'm excited to hear what you got.
1: Yeah, so um, I started my master's degree in education at Ryder University down in Lawrenceville. i um, trying to think last, not the this past summer, but the summer before. So I finished all my coursework, did all that. Um, I did student teaching. I did the whole nine, right? Um, see, Chris, I my opinion is teachers should give... Homework, I think, every single day. And and one of the reasons why I think so is because it teaches accountability. Uh, believe it or not, whether it's, you know, whether you're reinforcing the lesson or not, it is definitely teaching your students accountability um, because you're putting responsibility on them. Like it is their response. And especially, I, and it really depends on what um, I definitely think, what age you teach depends depends on how much homework you should give a student like for instance i think chris from my understanding you want to teach high school math right ryan i think he wants to teach secondary I mean, math i don't know i think I, you know, actually, I, not true. I think i think chris is trying to teach secondary math so that's basically you're looking at like high school and and that kind of stuff or you know i think middle school high school um you know obviously i so i my masters Work was in elementary education, so I actually taught in the fifth grade. Um, and you think about it; those are you know ten, ten, eleven year olds, and I gave them homework every single day. Now, kind of touching on what Ryan said, when we're adults and we leave work at the end of the day, you know, we're typically thinking about what we either what we did that day or what's coming up, or what we did that day that's going to affect tomorrow, kind of deal. Like I feel like work is definitely always on on um, on us on our minds, whether we want it to be or not. Um, But when it comes to being a student, I was never a great student in elementary school, middle school, and even high school. And I think that's because I didn't necessarily, necessarily really care. Um, I didn't necessarily like school all that much. Um, I, uh, so like when I got home from, from school, the last thing I wanted to do was do homework. Right. But at the so so I think what it does is it teaches it teaches students accountability, but it also needs to reinforce the lesson from that day. Um, and I think one of the reasons. So it, it's like a loaded question, really, I I think. But if anything, homework is more of a tool for the teacher, I think, maybe more a little more so than the student, because we always talk about, you know, educators always talk about evaluating our students um, using, um, you know, different type of record keeping and homework is a huge record keeper. Um, it really lets you see each and every student's progress from that day. You know, you can talk about, you know, even if you have 40 minutes in one period and in elementary school, I had like an hour and 20 minutes to teach math. That was like my math block. And believe it or not, in that hour and 20 minutes, it's very difficult to speak to every single student because you have your whole group lesson, right? You're going to have like some whole group practice of of whatever concept you're teaching. And then it's going to be, you know, either partner work or individual work, whatever, for the rest of the period. And during that partner works or individual work, it's really difficult, I think, to evaluate each and every single student because, you know, you want to spend as much time with each student as possible. So it's really hard to get around and meet with, you know, if you have 25 students, you want to spend at least five minutes with each of them, just just to kind of figure out whether or not they're understanding the concepts. So homework at least gives you an idea that at the end of the day, they're going home and you can really see the next day, okay, did this lesson really stick with that student? Or is this a lesson that I'm going to have to extend into another day, um, maybe this lesson needs to be extended into two days, who knows, uh, you know, an, ad- an additional two days. So yes, homework, I think is a definite necessity from young to old. Um, again, it just, whether it's teaching accountability or it's reinforcing, I think it's just a really good, good tool.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, reinforcement almost because if a kid goes into your class, like you said, and you know, he will say it's math class. And he just zones out for 30, 40, 50, however long the class is, uh, uh, minutes, and then leaves. Didn't learn anything because he was sleeping or zoning out, thinking about something else. Then he goes home with the homework. He's forced to make a choice and either, you know, not do the homework and take a bad grade and show that he's not paying attention. Or do the homework and, you know, in a way, either learn what you were trying to teach today or not learn it, show that he didn't learn it, and then hopefully learn it the next day or whatever. So, and then if you don't have homework, it's, you know, he doesn't get punished for not focusing besides on a quiz or a test. And then that could be sort of catastrophic where all of a sudden one or two quizzes or tests go by he hasn't been paying attention in class and all of a sudden it's like boom he's done like he's going to fail that class because that could be you know all the tests that semester
1: right and like i said as a teacher you know it's obviously your responsibility to meet with each and every student and know your students right and know what your students are where their strong points and where their weak points are but i can say that when you when you're thinking about your math lesson and Chris, I'm right on board with you. I love teaching math. That was so much fun. I really enjoyed math lessons because I felt like you could really kind of play play games in a way. Um, but you're thinking about your math lesson. You want that to go well. And then you're thinking about, okay, now I have to make sure the students understand the concept. And then And then on top of that, you're thinking of, okay, well, this is math, but now what's coming up for language arts or social studies or what have you? I mean, I guess it's a little easier when you're departmentalized like, for instance, I guess if you're a high school math teacher. But it, I, I guess it's a different – I guess that's a different animal on it in itself. Because I guess if you're a high school math teacher, you're going to teach calculus, algebra, and different things. So it's kind of still the same kind of concept, whereas you're always thinking about what's next, right, as a teacher. You're always like, okay, I taught my math lesson. Now I need to make sure that I reinf- – you know, we reinforce it. We make sure that the students understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. I think that's, that's crucial, too. That the students that students understand why you're teaching concepts, um, but then it's like, okay, now I have my language arts lesson, and I'm just going to use my experience as an example. Um, okay, so I have my math. Now I have language arts coming up. All right, so what do I have to? What What am I? What am I trying to do in language arts again? You kind of have to refresh yourself. All right, this is what I'm doing in language arts. I'm teaching this, that. Okay, this, that, and that. And and your your mind is like that's teachers have such a hard job. And I think it's such a shame when people, you know, criticize teachers and it, it, it is literally as someone with experience, it is such a difficult job because you're, you're constantly on your feet, you're running around all day long, you're trying to um, wrangle 30 different emotions and you're trying to navigate 30 different emotions. So, you know, I'm telling you it's not every single day and not every single day is peaches and cream. It might be peaches and cream for your for your child and for your student, but you have to remember there are 29 other students that, you know, teachers are, you know, the teachers responsible for. So teachers have to play sometimes like psychologist and and, you know, like crisis counselor sometimes, sometimes. I'm not saying always, but, you know, there are times that things came up in the classroom where I had to address it before I brought it on to somebody else. And I'm de- I I know I'm kind of you know, pulling off of the highway here, but um, <laughs> I, I think it's just important. You know, teachers don't get enough credit for what they do. It's an incredibly hard job, and I know homework. Homework is one of those things where teachers are like, "Oh, I can't believe I have to go home and grade all these papers." But at the end of the day, it's a part of the job. When, you know, it's a part of the job, and it definitely helps you to evaluate student progress and whether or not whatever you taught um, stuck with that student but that's my take on it. Yeah. My my long, my long winded take on it.
0: (laughs) I mean, it all makes (laughs) sense to me, but I mean, Chris, we'd love to know what you have to say back.
1: Yeah. So Chris, shoot us, shoot us some audio and let us know what, uh, what your response to our response is.
0: Yeah. And anyone else as well, if you guys want to, you know, send us a tweet, you know, hit us on Facebook or via email, let us know what you think about the segment. If you have anything to add, you know, obviously more than welcome
1: to v ordinary. Podcast at gmail.com please feel free if you want to send in a fan you know a fan audio you're more than welcome to um, if you have a Android or an iPhone you can record right from there and then shoot it shoot it to us in an email it'll work perfectly for us
0: what's the uh, what's the Twitter handle
1: the Twitter handle is podcast at podcast ordinary
0: okay yep I thought so
1: podcast first ordinary second <laughs> I know it's a little tricky but I, I promise you that's what it is All right, but um them. so that was the the wissy corner um, and we're gonna actually change paces I know I said we weren't gonna talk much sports today but we're we do have some breaking news in the NFL so we're gonna talk about this real quick it has to do with the New York Ryan oh I totally Dude. forgot that that jet I totally forgot the jet happens after that. So, Ryan, why don't you take this one away, bud?
0: Okay. So, um, obviously, big news out of the NFL this past week. The New York Jets are trading the number six overall pick, two second round choices, uh, their number 37 and 49 pick in the second round, and a second rounder in 2019 to the Colts for their third overall pick in this year's draft. So,. I don't want to keep going, so I'm going to let you take this one first because I'm sure I'll probably have a little bit more to say. Um, Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about the trade? What do you think about what they gave for it? Um, Who do you think they're going to take? Um, Sure. Yeah, just hit it all.
1: I think they gave up too much. I think they gave up way too much. Um, uh, Maybe not way too much. I shouldn't say that. I think the second rounder for next year was a little much. I think they probably could have landed that three spot with the Colts with the number six pick with, and the two second round choices this year. What I do have to say, um, it's not pertaining to the chats. It's actually pertaining to the Colts. This trade for me signals the Colts are 150% ready to go with Andrew Luck. They don't, it, it seems to me like they don't have any concerns about the shoulder, um, and I, th- I really think that's what this trade signifies. Not only that, but you know, you think about it, you still have a six overall pick, so the likelihood is maybe you could still land a quarterback if you do want that. But at least they, that you know, the Colts aren't going after one of these top flight quarterbacks. Um, I think the trade, how the trade impacts the Jets, is now the Jets are in the running for these top quarterbacks. You know, I think the Jets were kind of talking about. Potentially landing Baker Mayfield, right, or Josh Allen, um, and there wasn't a lot of talk that Darnold or or Rosen were gonna was gonna fall to them at six, but now it puts them in a spot where you know they can sit there and feel confident that they can definitely get one of these quarterbacks in the draft, and I think it's a, an interesting. What's interesting is that now they leap. Well, they were already ahead of the Bills, but now they're even further ahead of the Bills in the draft. And I know the Bills were trying to move up in the top five to get ahead of the Jets to draft one of these quarterbacks. So I don't know. I I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, at three, my opinion is I think the Jets will draft either Josh, Ro- yeah, either Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. Um, I feel like that's what's going to happen at three with the Jets. Ryan, Um, what's your take?
0: So, I don't mind the trade. I'm not, like, in love with it. I wouldn't say that the Jets necessarily gave up too much because moving up in the draft is always going to cost you a little bit. What's good is that they only gave up their sixth pick in a first-round scenario, so they didn't give up another future first-rounder or anything like that. So, what's good is this puts the Jets... To get, like you said, to get a top tier quarterback that they were after. Um, not only that, but it forces the hands of everybody else in the draft. So the Jets pretty much said, "Hey, we're trading up. We're getting, you know, we're hoping to get a franchise quarterback. We're drafting one of these guys, right?" So yeah. now you have the Browns at one. The Browns are forced if they want a specific guy, they are forced to take him at one because they don't know that he will make it all the way to their second pick at four. And I think the Jets have played that hand. And then same thing, either the Giants, if they want a specific quarterback, they're going to have to take them. Or if somebody trades with the Giants or somebody trades with the Browns, they have to make that trade if they want to get a specific guy that the Jets might take or the Browns might take. So they really, really forced a lot of hands of a lot of other teams in the draft, which I do like. And I also like the trade, obviously, from the Colts standpoint as well, because I mean, like you said, they're rolling with Andrew Luck. They know they are. So why pick at three when you can get all those picks and just solidify the team that you have and just make it way better? So at six, maybe they get, you know, Bradley Chubb, the pass rusher. And then maybe in the second round, they get some offensive linemen to protect Andrew Luck. You know, this sort of opens the door for them to draft more young players with a lot of talent because you get three, I think they have four picks within the first two rounds now. So they're going to be able to make a lot of moves, which is good. Um, Yeah.
1: I think it's, I think it's definitely great for the Colts. um, Because you can still get, you can still get top flight offensive line talent in the second round. I mean, we've definitely seen it before.
0: Yeah. And uh, and for, for, for the jets, I, um, I would say the guy that they really are aiming for if I had to guess was um Josh Rosen if I was to guess but I think Baker Mayfield is a close second because I think Darnold is out of the question I think he's number 1 um
1: Really Oh, you so you think the Browns are still going quarterback 1
0: Yeah I think because I think they still want that I think they still want that insurance because Tyrod's good and we all we all I mean I like Tyrod I've always been a fan of Tyrod I think he's a good quarterback but he's not I'm necessarily future um and i think they want that guy that's going to be on the team for 10 15 years if possible
1: yeah Um, and i think when you draft i think when you draft a quarterback too it gives you some it gives you some like um overwhelming sense of of comfort because at least you know you control him yeah you know you control him for the for the foreseeable future
0: yeah exactly so i would say Darnold won. i would not be surprised to see the giants trade out of two Um, probably with the Bills, and I think the Bills will give them both first-round picks, which I think would be good for the Giants. Um, Unless they have their eyes on someone specific, I'm not sure. Um, So I would see another quarterback probably going to, not really sure which one. I mean, probably Josh Rosen, maybe Josh Allen, you know, any of those couple guys. So I think whoever lands at three to the Jets will be either Rosen or Allen. I mean Rosen or uh, Baker Mayfield, whichever one doesn't get taken before the hand.
1: Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So um, my take on it, I would say with a with the new top three, um, I think you're gonna see Saquon Barkley go one. I still think you're gonna see, I still think you're gonna see Barkley go at one because we talked about him being a generational talent. I think he's definitely a generational running back, and when you think about it. The the Bills aren't hurting for a quarterback – or the Bills, excuse me. The Browns aren't hurting for a quarterback right now necessarily. You know, Tyrod – Tyrod's proven himself in Buffalo as a clear-cut number one quarterback. Um, not saying that he's necessarily top flight number one quarterback, but he's definitely a top uh, – you know, a, a number one quarterback. Um, because I think that gives him a little bit of breathing room then. In the sense of at least now you're giving Tyrod Taylor a a weapon in the backfield, right? So I feel like you could then take some, a little bit of pressure off of him. So you're not you know forcing him to to, to throw the ball. Um, I think I think Saquon is is the right pick at one. I think the Giants go. I actually think the Giants. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think the Giants go Rosen two, and then I think the Jets go either Darnold or Baker Mayfield at three. And I don't think the Giants, I don't, I don't think you see the Giants trade out of the two spot. I think you see yeah. the Giants staying put it two and drafting. I, think it go
0: either way. I don't think it's like guaranteed. Like, I don't think like the Giants like, Oh yeah, they're trading out of it. But I think, I think they're listening to offers right now. And if it's good enough, I mean, honestly, I think if the Bills offer you two first rounders and like, I don't know, I don't know what the third, I mean, they're going to give it more than both first rounders, but if they were to offer oh, I mean, something like that, I think you just got to take it. I don't know.
1: Well, I I think that this this trade for the number three spot really it shows it shows the price tag for one of these young quarterbacks. Um, and I think the Giants, in my opinion, I think the Giants would be dumb not to receive a king's ransom for number two. Yeah. I mean, I think they should definitely be listening. Listen. I think they should totally be listening to offers for for that second pick. But you don't make that you don't pull that trigger, you don't make that trade unless it's one going to land you a quarterback, maybe like that kid from uh is it the kid from
0: is it from Louisville? Lamar Jackson.
1: Yeah, Lamar Jackson. You know, if you can yeah, somehow Lamar. land a land a kid like Lamar Jackson, you could still somehow land a guy like maybe Baker Mayfield, you know, if it doesn't put you I mean, I'm thinking I'm thinking the Giants still need to be in, cont- in, cont- in contention for a quarterback in the first round.
0: Well, what's so no. interesting to me and what drives me nuts is we don't know what these teams are prioritizing. So, like you said, with the Browns cool. drafting Barkley first still, I think it's possible, but they'd have to have a pretty good clue as to who the Giants are going to take, who the Jets are going to take, and who's going to fall to them at four. Because if the Browns say the Browns are like huge fans of Josh Allen, I don't know that they are, but let's say that they are. And you know, hey, the Giants are pretty high on Rosen. I have a feeling they're going to take Rosen. We know the Jets are probably going to take Baker Mayfield. Again, don't know that that's who those teams are thinking of, but let's say for argument's sake. Um, And then the Browns are like, hey, we know that our guy is going to fall to us at four. Then yeah, taking Barkley at one makes sense. But if the Browns are like, hey, we want Darnold and I don't think he's going to get past the Giants and the Jets to get back to us at four, then they're forced to, to take, either take Darnold at one or realize that they're probably not going to get him. And then same thing with the Giants. Like, I don't know. Are they sold on somebody that much where like getting a decent trade offer for the second overall pick, they won't they won't listen to it? I don't know. I don't know what they see like. Are they huge fans of Josh Rosen and they, they need him to back up Eli and to learn from him? I don't know. And, and that's what makes this so confusing to me is you just don't know yeah. which way it's going to play out. And then we could sit here and we could just go over it and over it and over it and over it. But like without having that inside information, truthfully, I have no idea. I mean, I have a feeling that the Browns... Can't take Barkley one just because I think they have their eye on one of those top quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's but, and that's I the thing. Know. That's
1: what's so interesting about this draft. I feel like because in previous drafts, like you, you, when you think about the the whole suck for luck thing, right? Um, you knew you knew what the Colts were thinking. You knew that the Colts were going to draft Andrew Luck. You just knew it was going to happen, right? Or you think about I'm trying to think of other. Um, you think about RG3, right? You looked when when the Redskins traded all those picks to move up and everything they did to move up, you knew they were going RG3. You know what I mean? Like you knew that these guys, these teams were all in where we don't know. I mean, I think the only team within the top five, right, that we actually know is in for a quarterback, in my eyes, is the Jets. Right? I mean, who knows? The Browns... The Browns could be in on a quarterback, but at the same time, they might not be in on a quarterback because of Tyrod. We just don't know. We just don't know.
0: But even even with the Jets, like we have a pretty like ninety nine percent sure that they're in on a quarterback. But there's still a slight little tiny bit in me that's like, who knows? Yeah. Who- like I don't. I'm not sitting there in, in the boardroom with them. I don't know that they're like right. We're okay three, we traded here for a quarterback, no doubt. Like who knows? Barkley falls to him. I'm not saying it's gonna happen right that they're gonna want him. But I don't know We're still
1: a full month out from the draft and right who knows the Jets could be sitting there and saying, you know what? We have our guy in 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 Teddy. We have our guy in in Josh. Now let's just get him another weapon. I mean, who knows? I mean I think it's really fascinating you brought up that that point to me about how you think you know the Jets also it's like a conspiracy theory, which I love. How the Jets could could have moved up to three to kind of force the hands of the Giants and force the hands of the Browns so that Barkley could fall to them at three. I don't know. I mean, it's just going to be fast. It's going to yeah, be an interesting draft. It's just I, I want to see where everybody's heads at. That's really what what I'm interested yeah. in now.
0: At this point, the anticipation is just boiling over to the point where you're just like, all right, let's let's get it let's get it done. I, I'm dying to know let's get it done. Let's see where the chips fall and just know, you know, that's, that's, that's the most exciting part is after the draft happens and you see who your team's got and you're like, okay, like that's what all the hype was about. We traded up to get this guy. Like, I don't know. It's just going to be a huge yeah, and You're either, you're either going to uh, love it or you're
1: going to hate it. Truthfully. Exactly. I feel like that's what happens with every draft. Quick,
0: yeah. Real quick. Um, I just went back in time and looked up a trade from last year I'm sure a lot of people remember the bears traded up one position to get ahead of the 49ers to draft um, Mitchell Trubinsky. And that was literally, so they were sitting at three, the 49ers were at two and they swapped positions. So the trade the bears made to move up one position was they traded the third pick overall for the second pick. They also gave up a third round pick that year, a fourth round pick and a third round pick this upcoming year just for the second pick and that's literally to move up one spot. So they just moved up 3 and traded two second rounders and a second round next year. So it's pretty close in comparison when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it
1: just goes to it just goes to show you how mu- how valuable quarterbacks are in this league. And that team that teams yeah, will yeah. will stop at nothing when they're when they're in a position to move up or if they're in a position to take one of these guys, they'll stop at nothing to make sure that they get the guy that they want. I just sometimes sometimes you look at these trades like you know, last year I remember that that trade happening. A lot of I know you and I we talked about this briefly. I was scratching my head over it. Like
0: yeah, Trubisky was, was
1: not even I don't even think was on the radar for San Fran. And he might have been, but I, you know you look at him and he didn't scream like he didn't scream potential like some of these quarterbacks do so it's just it's just so fascinating when you're in that position you know and you have a, an opportunity to get a guy who could potentially turn your franchise around you just go all in on it so it's we definitely see the jets going all in on on a quarterback
2: and
0: the, i mean that's obviously what you like to see is that the jets aren't just going to sit back and wait for the chips to fall they're not going to sit at six and just be like, okay, well, whatever makes it to us, makes it to us. And, you know, we'll just we'll just take whatever's left. They went out and they're like, hey, listen, you know, we know that this year there's ride, there's a lot riding on it. You know, Todd Bowles could be gone with a bad season. Hey, even even McCagney you know, could be gone. Yeah, they both could be gone with a bad season, with a bad draft, with a bad... Person with bad personnel. So they they realize like, hey, this is our this is probably our last shot to and make a difference. And if they can prove like moving up three spots, getting either a franchise quarterback or a franchise player can help make this team better. Maybe not next year, but in the long run, I think that could save their jobs and I think they know that. And I think they, they need it. I think to make it's just move.
1: nice to see the Jets being aggressive. I don't think we've seen the Jets be this aggressive in a long time making moves to really solidify their team you know it's night it's really nice to see this from the jets i feel like the jets would be complacent like if this was like the old jets or if it was like if mccagnon knew he was safe and so did Bowles. like maybe they don't make this trade maybe they just wait at six and figure out what happens but um you know, I, it's nice sometimes when when you you got a little pressure on your executive, you know, your GM, and there's a little bit of pressure on your your coach. It's it's nice to see these guys make some aggressive moves. And who knows, it may may not pan out, but it also this this move in particular may have just bought Mike McCagnon a f- you know ten extra years with the Jets. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely see. You know, after the after the draft and after probably after the season, how we do and and how these players and these moves equate onto the field. Yeah. So
1: with that in mind, uh, I want to do a little shameless plug here. Again, you can always find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at podcast ordinary. You can find us. uh, What else do we have on SoundCloud? I totally forgot about that. If you go on (laughs) SoundCloud and you want to just listen to us on SoundCloud, you can find us on SoundCloud. Just search the ordinary podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, I'm trying to think what else we have. Facebook, Twitter, Email the.ordinary.podcast at gmail.com. Send us some audio on on anything you want, any news articles, any sports topics, any entertainment topics you want to talk about. And I think we're going to start talking a little bit of movies coming up here in, in the future. There's some cool movies coming up in store that I'm excited about, I'd like to talk about. So, if there's anything you're excited about, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to hear us talk about, Make sure you reach out to us. And again, another shameless plug: if you feel any bit inclined to donate to us to help out the show, our GoFundMe page is still active and live. Um, I still, like I said, I want to thank those who have donated already. You can find that page on our Facebook and on our Twitter. We, like I said, we will appreciate any donation that you absolutely uh, that that you give, and and we definitely not only do we appreciate it, but um, it, it, it means just so much to the show so thank you thank you uh for even considering um before we get to let's play favorites something popped up i didn't know if we were gonna have time to talk about it but i said screw it it's our podcast we can take as much time as we want (laughs) so i threw it in here um ryan i don't know if you saw this but this is actually in west manchester township pennsylvania a wall a walmart wedding so there was a couple who got married in the garden section of a Walmart in Pennsylvania. So it's actually really, really funny. I'm just going to read a little bit of this um, article real quick. But um, like I said, out of Westchester Township, Pennsylvania, this is from a USA Today article, uh, quote, it's not uncommon for two people who work at the same place to date each other or for that love to blossom into marriage. But when the couple gets married and many of their coworkers who help bring them together can't get off of work for the wedding, what do you do? One Pennsylvania couple answered that, geez, I can talk, (laughs) <laughs> One Pennsylvania couple answered that question by bringing the wedding to their co-workers at a local Walmart. So on su- Saturday, Chrissy Torres married Lydia Torres in the garden center at the Walmart in West, Ch- West Manchester Township, Pennsylvania. Now the venue choice seems odd on the surface, especially at times when some weddings take place in ritzy mansions and lavish estates, but dig deeper into their relationship and the Walmart wedding doesn't sound doesn't seem as crazy. So it's actually really interesting. The couple met in 2015 when Torres first got a job as a manager at the Walmart. Um, So the two started to flirt back and forth with each other. They were always kind of walking past each other uh, at work just for the sake of walking past each other. And then, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think because they both are listed as Torres. Hold on. I just want to get this right. So Chrissy was the manager was very, um, kind of scared to get into another relationship as her first marriage didn't go well. But, um, Lydia was like insistent and she like was just all about it. Um, quote one day when it was snowing, she asked if I could come pick her up since I had a truck. When she got in the truck, she said, so are you going to go on a date with me? So that's first off, that's impressive because I, I don't, I don't have game like that. So that's really impressive, but it's really cool. So they decided to get married in December and planned a private ceremony at their home in York, Pennsylvania, but they realized many of their Walmart coworkers, which are dozens of people who have supported the couple, um, and Torah, both the Torres is referred to them as family wouldn't be able to take off. So after all, the store is open 24 hours and someone had to be there. So they decided to have their wedding in the garden section. What do you think about that, Ryan?
0: That's pretty cool. I mean, it's one of those stories where like the headline sort of turns you off or you're like, what the heck is that? And then like you read the story and it's actually like a really, really beautiful story. So, it's it's that's really cool. I like it. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's one of those stories where I think it's exactly what you said. Like when I I first saw it on Twitter, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like these people must be crazy to get married at a Walmart. I mean, obviously, like I said, I'm planning a wedding. So, you know, if I even brought that up to my fiance, she probably would have murdered me. Um, But it's nice to really see that it means a lot to them and it's important. You know, the biggest reason is so that everybody that loves them and cares about them could be there. So, I I just thought that was kind of cool. I just wanted to bring that up before we get into our next topic, which is... Let's play favorites! (laughs) So... Ryan, let's play some favorites. Why don't you take it away? This is your segment, after all.
0: Oh boy. Okay. All right. So our first question was posed actually by you, I believe, at the end of last episode, and it was, uh, "What's your favorite vacation spot?" So we posted, I believe, it was on Facebook, and I believe, did you post it on Twitter? I believe that you did. Twitter. What do you take me?
1: What do you take me for? All
0: right. So we received four answers. So I'll read the first one. It was from Douglas Stansley, um, and he said his favorite place was Sanibel Island, Florida. His uh, he said that it's his favorite because he used to go with his family and drive the long drive down together from New Jersey to Florida, and he said it was always fun. It was a really nice stretch of a beach where you could go really relax and just take in the scenery and the nature. I don't know anything about Sanibel Island. Um, I think I've. I mean, I'm looking at all of these and I only know one place on the four responses that we got and it's because everybody's been yeah, there. Yeah, I mean
1: let's let's be real. I mean I can obviously say that I've heard of all of these and I've only been to two out of the four. But um Doug, that sounds awesome. I mean any let's be honest, Florida is a really cool place to vacation. Um, you know, anywhere from uh, St. Augustine all the way down to the keys. Um, so that's really, really cool. Like I said, I'm not sure where that is. I want to look kind of, I just want to see where that is in relationship to. Oh, okay. So it's on the West coast of Florida down near, uh, like Fort Myers. You're basically getting down, not like you're in like the, if you go straight across the the state, you're almost like around between West Palm beach and Boca, Boca Raton. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'm That sounds pretty awesome but our so our next uh thank you for sharing so our next um our next one comes from stacy miller who is a family friend she says uh st john's us virgin island and she said the reason it's her favorite is because it's remote you can't get any direct flights most of the island is a national park They have beautiful beaches that are not crowded. There's great hiking. It's close to the British Virgin Islands for boating, perfect for paddle boarding, excellent snorkeling and scuba diving. And the people are super friendly. She said she could continue to go on and on. So I've heard a lot about St. John. I've never been there. Um, It sounds like a cool place. I mean, let's be honest, it's the U.S. Virgin Islands. So how bad could it be? Right. I'll let you take the next one. I don't know. no, no, no! I, I don't know who oh, that no, guy this is. The next
0: one's all you, man.
1: No, so so the next one actually comes from um, <laughs> my dad, uh, John Saharik, Um and he said the Tur- uh, Turks and Caicos. Um, I actually, obviously, I went there with with my parents, and I have to admit that is definitely in my top like top two favorite places. That was one of the most fun vacations I think I've ever been to. Um, it's it's like the water is the like clearest water you'll ever find probably anywhere. It was just gorgeous. Um, we stayed at the beaches resort there in Turks and Caicos. We did, uh, we snorkeled, we scuba, we, we dove, uh, it's an all inclusive resort, which is really cool. You know, you walk into one restaurant for appetizers. When you finish your meal, you just get up and walk out. Um, and you don't have to pay Well, you paid, but you don't have, You, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, it was a really cool place. There's a lot of really great fun stuff to do. Um, so dad, I definitely agree with you on the Turks and Caicos.
0: All right. And our last favorite vacation spot came from our very own Chris Romelli. He said until recently. Oh, who did that? I don't know. Sorry.
1: That's the one we were going for.
0: All right. He said until recently, Wildwood, uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, because he went there hey! every summer when he was younger with his parents, and he has totally very- forgot it. Oh my God! Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. All right, so Wildwood, New Jersey, because he went there every summer with, when he was younger with his parents, and he has a lot of great memories with his dad there. And uh, but recently, it's become OC Ocean City, Maryland. There you go. Yeah, I'm struggling because the beaches are nicer and it seems more relaxed. <laughs>
1: I really wish you read it the way it was written. I,
0: I actually did.
2: Oh, did you change that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> I, I thought you were going to read that one, and I was hoping that you'd read it like that. But Okay, so I
1: have to just say it. Ryan changed beaches, and he wrote, Recently, it's Ocean City, Maryland, because the bitches are nicer, and it seems more relaxed.
0: <laughs> oh, man. It would have been That's a good awesome. one. I would have had you. You would have said it.
1: I would have. I really would have. I would have. <laughs> You know, what's funny because when I was looking at it, as you read it, I'm like, I can't believe Chris would say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he definitely did.
1: <laughs> so Ryan, uh, we got through those four. Thank you guys so much for, for submitting. Um, now let's talk about your favorite vacation spot. Ryan, what is your favorite vacation spot and why?
0: Actually, before I give that answer, where can people respond to questions that we pose?
1: Well, they can respond on Twitter at podcast ordinary they can respond on Facebook at podcast ordinary and they can even shoot us uh, shoot us an email at the at gmail.com the cool thing too is if you want to answer one of these questions that we post up on our, any of our social media outlets but you would rather hear yourself say it when you listen to the podcast shoot us an au- shoot us audio at the at gmail.com
0: yeah i'd love to hear other people speak
1: yeah i would I'm getting sick of hearing just you and me
0: same, okay. So my favorite vacation spot has um, always been where my family took our vacation um, many, many years was the Outer Banks, North Carolina. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's just just a really cool place. You know, it's sort it's it's starting to become a lot more well known, so it's getting a little more crowded. I also haven't been there in a few years, um, so I'm hoping to get back soon. But um, so that's always been one of my favorite vacation spots to go. Um, that I've been to, but one thing I really want to try doing, um, in the near future, hopefully is, um, obviously visit Disney. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, but, um, another thing I've been looking forward to trying to do is doing almost like a cross country trip. I'd love to either restore an old like van or like a bus, take an RV, something like that and just go cross country for, you know, a couple weeks. I think that'd be really, really Yo, fun. I'm so, so on board. Yeah, I've been I've been dying to do something like that. So hopefully within the next few years I can get something like that. You know, something like that, that would done. be
1: that would be awesome. I mean, I I would. Hey, if you ever need somebody to go, let me know. I I would definitely come with you. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm definitely I'm looking to a big reason. Obviously, is being a photographer. I want to experience a lot of the United States, and I want to get you know pictures throughout the United States, and I I just think it'd be a really cool way to you know, add vacation with, you know, something that I'm very passionate about and just, you know, make it like the ultimate. Oh yeah,
1: no doubt. I mean, I know my, my future father-in-law, he's like a bucket list thing for him is to go to all, uh, he's a huge baseball fan. So he wants to see like all, he wants to see every park. So he wants to,
0: yeah, I'd love to do that too.
1: Rent an RV and just go cross country and see a game in every stadium, which would be awesome.
2: I, I would yeah, see absolutely. I would like to do
1: that but do like an NHL tour
0: yeah
1: anyway that's beside the point so now we get into the good stuff my favorite
0: oh you didn't give us your Yeah, I was
1: oh, going well, to talk about the next question oh I didn't give my favorite okay so my favorite vacation I mean we all
0: know it already but you can my say my favorite
1: anyway. vacation spot drum roll please while I pull please hold please hold please hold Hold on, hold on, hold on, because I totally forgot. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, there's an ad. Damn it. Okay. I was trying to pull up some some music. Anyway, my favorite vacation spot is Disney World. Um, I'm a huge Disney fan. Obviously, you know I've talked about that earlier. Um, Brianne, my fiance, and I, we just love Disney World. Um, we've gone for the past four years. We're going again this summer for, this is going to be our longest trip. We're going to go for two and a half weeks. Um, just everything about it. You know, like I said earlier in the podcast, there is such thing as Disney magic. Like when you get on property, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, I think one of the coolest things too, is, um, we usually fly and we'll fly out of Newark airport. So what we do is we'll drop our luggage off. And you know, when we check in, we, when we drop our luggage off and we check it, we don't see it until we get into our room. So that's like the first piece of Disney Magic is um, that you drop off your luggage and you, you don't have to worry about picking it up when you get to MC, you know Orlando International. The, first, the next thing you have to do when you get off the plane is you go check in and you register for Magical Express, and you hop on the, the coach bus and you take a nice little trip uh, you know down, down the highway and, and before you know it, you're at your resort. and when you check in, you walk right into your room and typically nine times out of 10, your, uh, your luggage is already there waiting for you. So it's, it's really cool. Um, you never have to drive when you're down there, everything, you know, you can get to from a bus. Um, Disney offers free transportation for those staying on, on property, which is always, always very cool. Um, it's just, there's, there's just something about it from, from walking down main street, USA, in Magic Kingdom, and or watching the fireworks at night, or just going on the rides, or meeting some of the characters, you know, we look like we're five year olds, but we really don't care. We have our little autograph book with the big pen, um, so that all the uh, all the characters we meet, try to meet every character that we can, uh, take pictures, and we just we literally act like little kids. It's so much fun. Um, we've never not had a we've never not had a good experience. It's o- only been good experiences. Um, if you lose any merchandise, you can just go to any of the stores and tell them what you lost. If you have, you still have your receipt, they'll just give it to you. So, um, that's, they'll just give you a new one. So it's pretty cool. Um, so that's my favorite vacation spot. Um, definitely looking forward to, to trying some different places out, um, in the, in the foreseeable, you know, in the, in the foreseeable future. So, um, but yeah, that's my favorite spot.
0: Cool. So let's move on to the second question here. What was your first job and what did you like slash dislike about it? Why don't you why don't you start? What was your first job? What oh, did you like right. and dislike about it? Go ahead. Alright, so my first job was at giant food stores. Um, I was a bagger and a cart pusher. Um what I liked about it I just liked it was it was very relaxed, you know. They didn't really expect all that much you really could just kind of do whatever um you just bag some groceries you go out in the uh in the parking lot you know make sure the carts were all pushed up into the store and not in the corrals and you know i just kind of as crazy as, as it sounds i would just kind of hang out and you know listen to some music while pushing carts I know it was pretty relaxing but um i mean what i disliked about it obviously it was uh you know just the job you know you can only work at those kind of places for so long and then realize like hey i got to i got to get something else yeah so so my you?
1: first job i was actually a i started as a busboy at a restaurant in my town um and it was Yanina Bistro was the name of it so i worked there i started as a sophomore in high school and i worked there all the way through my first year of college Um, the thing that I liked about it was the paycheck, um, for a high schooler, you know, I, I didn't make like minimum wage. I started at $10 an hour, which was unreal. Uh, At that time for me, I felt like I was making millions. It was pretty sweet. Um, it was awesome. I, I worked, uh, the one, the one thing I didn't like about it was obviously it was a restaurant. So, you know, I was working, Long nights and I was working weekends, but I would work uh, Thursday, Friday. I would work Tuesday night. I'd work Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I'd work four days a week. Um, you know, on top of going to school and playing sports and doing all that kind of stuff. So that was the thing I didn't like about it was because I really felt like I didn't have a social life. Um, you know, all my friends always said, "Hey, let's go to the movies." You know, it's Friday night, let's go to the movies. I'd be like, "Ah, sorry guys, I can't. I work." Um, so that was the one thing I, I didn't really like. But overall, it was a really cool job. Uh, my my boss was awesome. I still go to the restaurant. Um, he opened a different one now though. Uh, so I, I go to his restaurant still and you know, he, uh, he hooks me up and he's a good guy. So
0: it was a great place to work. Awesome. So hopping into our last question here, what's the best prank you've ever played on somebody? The best prank
1: I ever played on somebody. Hmm. All right. So the one that really sticks out in my mind is uh, you know I talk about being a, a big fan of The Office, and uh, so I I love the prank where uh, Jim puts all of or you know puts Dwight's st- was it a stapler or his calculator I don't remember I think it was a stapler, stapler puts yes. a stapler in Jello. So one night when my you know my brother it was like me and my brother um, our friend Ted. We were hanging out, whatever, having a good time, and my brother had gone to sleep. Um, and Ted and I said, "All right, how we how can we mess with him?" So we decided we went up. You know, we brought his wallet, his phone, his key, his his the keys to his truck. What else did we do? I think just those three things. The and I I will say, his phone was, uh, locked tight. Like it wasn't going to get ruined or anything. Uh, we made sure of that. But so we put his phone, his wallet, and his keys in a giant mold of jello. And I can tell you that he was furious the next morning. It, but it was awesome. It was definitely one of the best pranks. It was just hysterical. What about you? What was the best prank
0: you pulled? Dude, I don't even know if I have one. Oh, well, that's is a tough one.
1: That's anticlimactic.
0: I know. Well, that's why I had to go first cuz I was trying to think of one, but I don't know, I'm not really a prankster. Really? You got nothing? I am not like you, not with not with not with Jello. Wow, really nothing? I can't think right. of anything. Right.
1: Well, t- I can tell you a prank that was done to me that I was pissed off about, but it was funny, you know, looking back at it now. Um, so I I have been a volunteer, you know, I I Am no longer currently, but I was a volunteer fireman for several years. And one of my childhood friends, uh, his name is Tom, was also a firefighter. So him and I used to, you know, s- screw around a little bit down the firehouse. We used to have a lot of fun and we would change people's name tags and stuff on their gear locker. Um, we would always create like nicknames for people um, that were maybe not appropriate let's to even say on the podcast but um oh i will tell you there's one we his little brother his little brother's name is steven um spelt with a v though so it's not the right way to do it but anyway um when we were younger we actually nicknamed him peaches and that nickname has stuck to this day i mean he's been known as peaches for the last probably like 10 10 maybe even 12 years um so that's cool but that's one of the nicknames we did I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. So here it is. So I walk out. Of, I walk out of the firehouse one day, one day, and I get in my truck, and I turn the truck on, and all of a sudden I hear a, a loud pop. I'm like, "What the hell just happened?" So I got out, and I walked around without even noticing what was on my truck. I walked around to the back and noticed there was something wrapped on my on my um, exhaust pipe. I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Because it, it whatever it was, it it exploded. So I, you know, cause as soon as I turned the truck on, right. So I started to walk around and then all of a sudden I see something hanging off of the trailer hitch. And I'm like, what the, cause I had a pickup at the time. I said, what the hell is that? And I looked and what he did was him and another firefighter, they went down to the Exxon, which is right by, you know, right, right by the firehouse. And he filled uh, they bought a box of condoms and he filled this one condom up with just water. And then he tied it around my, uh, my tailpipe so it would keep its form. And then he decided he hung one off of my antenna, which I didn't realize he put one over my tailpipe. So when I turned my truck on, when the exhaust came out, it filled it and then it popped. And then he wrapped them around all of my door handles, except for my driver's side door handle. So I wouldn't notice. And then he also covered, he, he bought the Magnums and he covered my, um, he covered my wipers, with uh with condoms as well so that was a that was a prank that i wasn't too much of a fan of
0: <laughs> oh my
1: yeah but it was absolutely ridiculous yeah. yeah i would say so so uh you know we would love to hear like what are some pranks that you you have pulled um shoot us anything on twitter anything on facebook like like we said in the past if you want to shoot us an email with a with a an audio clip of some some of the pranks you've done vacation spots your first job uh anything that you want to add to let's play favorites uh we can totally do that as well um trying to think what else for today ryan i think that basically covers it for today
0: yeah absolutely i mean like you said just you know if you guys have any questions you want to ask us about let's play favorites like if you want to ask what our favorite cereal is or you know something like that just let us know and uh we'll include it in next week's show
1: yeah so with that in mind uh, like like we've been saying keep checking us out on Facebook check us out on Twitter at Podcast Ordinary shoot us an email at the.ordinary.podcast at gmail.com um, go check out our new website it is officially launched it's up there you can check out our March Madness brackets I also have President Barack Obama's Uh, bracket up there as well you can listen to the podcast right on our website you can subscribe for any new things coming up you can also check out our blog Um, also check out our gofundme page if you're interested in uh, donating to the site we would definitely appreciate it Um, but with that i think we're good
0: let the music play out thanks for listening guys